Today I welcome Jane Gandhi, headmistress of St Swithin School in the UK. In this episode, I discuss the value of pupil-led assemblies, uncovering unconscious bias, marketing in schools, and celebrating failure. I've been reading the Heads Welcome on the St Swithin's websites before I researched and started the podcast, and I was struck, and I always am struck by how honest and authentic you are and your, your, your page was. Often that page is a copy that would have been scrutinized by almost everybody, senior leadership team, everyone. But yours felt very different. If you don't mind, I'm going to use this as a base for our conversation. You yeah. use the term appropriately academic. Tell me about this. Um, I think for me, it's really important that we do take um, academic things seriously. And of course, you know, we want the girls to do well in their exams and what have you. But it's definitely not about spending all day, every day, pouring over your books. You should be spending time doing other things as well. There's no point uh, being young and coming to school and just being in the classroom all the time. So it's, it's kind of really important for me that, as I say, the girls give it proper attention, but then they put their books to one side and they just go off and do something else. And I think that's just kind of what we want to teach them about life generally, that whether you're doing work, whatever it is, it doesn't need to be all consuming. You just need to get a bit of a balance in there. Yeah. Um, and, how, and so how do you encourage young people to embrace it more in terms of um, being, you know, being able to kind of do more things, take on more activities, extend themselves rather than just being academic? I, mean, I think um, we've got loads of activities going on here and we try and make sure that we sort of talk about them and we celebrate them and we give prizes for them and we value them so that people understand that, that it is worth doing. Because I think it, it can be really easy, can't it, to sort of talk about it, but then they give you your prizes for academic work. And then, of course, the, the students realise that actually academic work is more important. So we try and make sure that we also celebrate and give prizes for all sorts of um, other sort of outside the classroom things. So at the moment, um, there's the Earthshot Prize, which is a big, um, I think, worldwide prize, isn't it, where they're giving millions of pounds worth in prize money. And we can't quite stretch to millions of pounds. <laughs> millions of pounds of prize money um, at St Swithin's but we are doing a sort of a St Swithin's Earthshot competition where uh, the girls are getting in teams and kind of coming up with environmental initiatives that could take place at school so by sort of saying okay we're going to do that and we're going to actually implement the initiatives at school and give a prize for it we're encouraging them to understand that it's really important to do stuff beyond the classroom. Uh, can I say something else? I, <laughs> I want to say something else for a moment because it strikes me. I don't know what other countries are like, but the UK, <laughs> we, are a, we are a kind of society of volunteers in that, you know, I don't know what you've done in your life, but I've sort of volunteered to help out at the local um, you know, athletics club or the, or the football club or whatever. And I kind of think that it's really important in our schools to get girls, boys, whoever, happy to kind of get involved with things so that when they're adults, they all become part of that army of volunteers, which keeps our society kind of running. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And do, did you wish you volunteered or did you volunteer for London 2012 at all or any of these big sporting events? Uh, no, I didn't. But I would, yeah, I would have liked to. Actually, my parents were um, working at, at 2012. So I yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I attended many, many events and stuff. But then I, lo I looked at the people who were there just immersing themselves every single day being volunteers. And I thought, do you know what? Because of my love of sport, that would have been so perfect. Yeah. So perfect. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, even volunteering for things like Park Run, if you've ever been one of the volunteers there, it's just a great thing to do. Yeah. Um, do you think schools put too much pressure on young people? No, I don't think schools do. I do think there's pressure on young people. And I think 
in many ways, it's easy to say, isn't it, that it comes from themselves, but then where does it come from? So some of it must come from parents, some of it must come from society. You know, they're bright young people at our schools. They clearly see the world around them. And somehow things have got earlier and earlier. So for example, I mean, if we, if we take sport, um, I think it's got earlier and earlier that you, you, know, you need to get picked for things, you need to start playing things. Um, and so that's also transferred itself into, into areas outside sport, I think. Um, there's an example of so we've recently changed our transfer process from our junior school our prep school into our senior school and we've made it a bit simpler and they don't need to take um common entrance anymore but we've had some parents saying oh, goodness but they need to practice exams and they need to practice getting stressed or else how are they going to stress later i just think goodness what type of world have we developed where yeah. parents want their children to sit extra exams because they need and get stressed so yeah at such a young age fresh, too yeah. 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 So there's definitely pressure out there, but where it feels though it's, it's it, it, so many people think of life as a race, and if you haven't started running already, then you're going to miss out. And I think somehow, in some way, shape, or form, we as schools, but also you know in the, in the broader world, we need to teach, um, or remind ourselves that it's not a race, and even if it were, sometimes the person who starts a bit more slowly actually um, is yeah. the winner in the end. Yeah, it's, so, not, it, it's absolutely not a race, and you know because everyone develops at different speeds. I was talking to Head yesterday. Um, and you know, he admitted that you know, he didn't start driving until he, he was in his in his early thirties. And he was going, well, you know, because there's this big pressure, but he just didn't feel the need to. He just wasn't yeah. ready for it. But he, he wished he'd done it earlier. But at the same time, it's like there wasn't a, you know, I didn't need to go off and do that. Um, no. So I think it's important that we give, you know, we we allow children to be able to develop themselves. But it's very difficult within an existing educational model. Um, and we sort of talk a lot about ex exam reform. What, what are your opinions on reforming examinations in the current GCSEs? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you need to think back about why GCSEs were set up in the first place. And they were set up at a time when lots of, lots of people left school at 16. So they were sort of a summary, weren't they? A summary exam of everything that had been learnt. But now that everybody has to stay on for educational training up until 18 we sort of don't need them and i think if we move particularly towards a, a post a level um, application system for university then you really don't need them because then universities would have a levels to look at and they wouldn't need to see any gcses so I, mean, I think we're quickly getting to the point where actually gcses are anomalous and you might well spend that extra six months you could gain doing other things things that might be more important such as you know expeditions or or things that would teach different types of skills and then when it comes to a levels well there are, i mean I think exams are important. I'm not one of these people who says, oh, we've got the internet, we can just Google, because you need to have a base of knowledge, a framework in your head that you've learned, so you can assess whatever it is that you Google to, to what extent that is likely to be true or not. So I think we do need exams. Um, but yeah, I think by and large, GCSEs are probably not so important, yeah. and we might well want to. Yeah, and a lot of that's also driven by parents. You know, you mentioned the, you know, the parents being a bit pushy and about kind of wanting their kids to go through exams, <laughs> and it becomes a, it's, it's because the, the, the conveyor belt is, is, is set for them. They can see it. They go, okay, well, they have to go through these stages because that's what's available to me. And then they go to university. But then they, they come out and employers are going, well, we're not, we don't really care that much about whether you've got a degree anymore. And mm -hmm. so it's almost like throwing it back and going, you know, what is the point of university? And then what is then the point of school? Because we're all kind of going through this conveyor belt. And we need to maybe, it's a hard bit about educating parents um, but in the independent sector, you know, you buy into it and, you know, you, 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 you get the full round a bit. I think that that's a big draw for, for the independent sector. Mm. Um, but you're still tied to, 
you know, this, this, this part of, I, I want them to go to a, a, a Russell Group University. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about recalibration, isn't it? So, I mean, we, we've just um, been um, accredited as a high performance learning school and high performance learning is all about um, looking for the skills and then the attitudes that will help you to perform highly. But it's not just about the classroom. Um, I think that's what we're trying to get parents to understand, not just parents being in the wider community, but when it comes to the workplace, you need to have things like perseverance or you need to be able to collaborate or you need to be able to think logically or have a bigger picture view and that isn't necessarily the same as getting an a star so it's it's trying to develop those skills in such a way that when perhaps we do want to measure them, but perhaps we want to have a portfolio or some way of explaining to employers that you know these students can do these things and they'll be a great employee for you but that's quite a step forward isn't it beyond um a yeah. levels or, or in addition to a levels perhaps or, yeah. or in people's understanding yeah, and it, and, it, and it sits alongside it because, you know, it's becoming more skills-based. And it, I, I do love the HPL model, um, you know, project-based learning, action-based. It's, you know, get, get going cross-curriculum um, where you can develop really good skills um, as a team collaboratively too. I think it's essential because that's what employers are looking for. And if you look at what the World Economic Forum published recently about their top, you know, their, their top 10, you know, um, skills that employers are looking for in 2025, you know, the, the, the same kind of ones come up in the top, you know, problem solving, creativity, critical thinking. Yes, there's collaboration. Um, and I think we're going to get a lot more softer skills. You know, yeah. it's, it's that empathy piece. And you know, how, how in the, the feeling that I think that a lot of this generation maybe are losing out on because of technology. Mm. Um, so how, how do we t can we talk about failure? Because, again, we, we, you mentioned um, failure. Um, why do young people need to fail? Surely we're, we're, we're trying to set them up to, to succeed. <laughs> I was thinking about this um, earlier in the week, actually, because one of my colleagues was telling me about their 14-month-old their, um, learning to walk. And of course, you know, you learn to walk, you're failing all the time, aren't you? You're just falling over. And, and everything children do, they're failing and nobody worries about it. And yet somehow along the way, failure becomes something that we're all a bit scared of and that, and that somehow is a badge of dishonour rather than a badge of honour. And I think that's adults projecting onto children. And I think we need to stop doing that. And we need to say to them, well, if you're not getting it wrong, then actually we're not setting hard enough uh, work or you're not improving. It's like swimming, isn't it? You wouldn't um, kind of give up if you sank once. Or maybe you would. Oh, no, yeah. you wouldn't give up if you and, sank. Because we're not teaching resilience. We talk about grit. We talk about character. You know, you need to fail. Actually, the, the best people, I, I, I look back at my life, you know, completely failed at so many different things. Um, but you need, yeah. and, and the great place at school is you get a framework and a, it, there's a really great place. That's a great place to learn to fail or to fail and actually learn how you get yourself back up, recalibrate, as you said, and, and become well, better. And I mean, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I can remember um, in one concert um, where the soloist got completely lost, stopped, started again, carried on biggest round of applause ever because that's grit isn't it it's not walking oh. off stage in tears it's just carrying on and then but then I suppose the point is we perhaps don't even want to make people think it's all about grit we just want it to be normal you know yeah. you get it wrong you just have another go don't you it's not a big thing it's it not a, a it's a not big a big thing. exactly it's not a big deal actually and unless it's impacting someone's health their life yeah. which is the majority of things aren't and we, but we do blow them out because it's the societal expectations and this fabric and the rules that we've kind of created that govern the way that we react yeah. to failure and it's not it's not seen as a good thing but you know I think no. the more we can teach our kids 
that fame is good and to keep trying. Yeah. I mean, I do agree. Have you read um, Black Box Thinking? Yes. Um, by so, in tight, you know, so one industry learns from failure and one industry tries to conceal it. And I think, you know, I've given an assembly about that and speaking about it now, I think so I, I need to give that assembly again because it's so important that it's such a good illustration of how the aviation industry has got so much safer because they've learned from failure. And, and I think it was medicine, wasn't it, where actually people are still tending to, because of the consequence, because of the blame culture, perhaps, they're still tending to conceal failure. And, and I say to my staff, we mustn't be a school where we conceal failure. We need to be open about it and just try and get better. Yeah, and, it's, and it comes back to authenticity. You know, we, I think yeah. everybody needs to be authentic. Um, we, we need to tell the, the, the truth. We need to share what's going on. Not everything is rosy and perfect. And we've got to, again, show our, show our young men and women that, that, that you can be your true self and it's very difficult when you're educating young women you know through their teenage years it's 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 a difficult time of development and growth um pressure belonging and how how do you manage that within the school um yeah i mean i was just thinking i was just thinking about something you said there about um if i can't remember your exact words but it made me it reminded me that we shouldn't be putting pressure on young people to be happy all the time oh i, I think you said yeah. that life is not a bed of roses and i think that's a really crucial thing we so i think maybe a few years ago there was a bit of an emphasis on let's teach them all how to be happy and i think that's moved on i think what we're teaching now is that you won't be happy all the time but here are some suggestions for the when times are a bit tough here is perhaps what you could do and we have um, a positive education program which we have taken as our inspiration um geelong grammar school in australia but we sort of uh, repackaged it for our own purposes, which is now in year seven, eight, and nine. And part of that is looking at uh, the pupils' strengths and then using those strengths to, to, you know, to pick them up when things are a bit tough. So I think it's so important that we are really honest that life is, yeah, it's going to have some curveballs, isn't it? And things are going to go wrong, but it's not the end of the world. And here's what you can it's try. Not. Yeah. No. And it, and if it and if by the way, I'm not saying that. I think it's also important to recognise that some people will be clinically depressed at some of the time and they need to recognize that's different to being just a bit down then they need to seek professional help so we're trying to you know talk about all those things in a really open way so people aren't embarrassed about it yeah Um, and 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 talking about mental health has come on a huge huge amount um and you know but people don't 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 talk about it they don't recognize it they just you know it's that kind of come on dig deep get you know it's this, this this british kind of stiff off a lip you can do this and but without understanding the the condition um but i'm I, you know I'm, I'm hugely grateful for the amount of awareness that's, that's been done but more needs to be done for both our young women and our young men because yeah. they're suffering suffering from esteem issues themselves because of the perfect bodies you know the the, the expectations on who they should be how you know how manly they need to be um and we're, we're caught in this this crosshairs of um of change that I think it can only be solved with the partnership between parents and the schools. Um, but I feel, I think sometimes the educational side, we don't really understand it. So no one really knows how to lead it um, when we're trying to bring the, the young people through. Yeah. Yes. That's very interesting about um, mental health. We've had a few, um, a couple of assemblies where the girls have wanted to lead it and girls who've suffered from poor mental health themselves and they want to be really clear actually they're very interesting about vocabulary and how we shouldn't be they say things like oh i'm a bit um ad i'm a bit adhd because yeah. that's a really specific condition and actually does it a disservice if you just sort of use it sort of flippantly or i'm or i'm really depressed today again that does it a disservice yeah. so 
the girls themselves have been really kind of quite strong on let's try and use these words properly so we can understand. And then the other thing that um, they've been doing recently, the sick form um, have been one of our sort of sick form teams been running an Instagram um, account um, just about kind of hidden conditions. So they've talked about um, things like arthritis and um, chronic pain and things that we just don't realise people suffer from. So that's been another really good kind of um, consciousness or awareness uh, raising exercise from them. Yeah, and, and it's fantastic that, that we're all talking about it. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. Since Swetherland's Pupils Lead Assemblies, which has resulted in some edgier topics, um, I understand, um, what's the thinking behind that and how do pupils respond to this? Um, we have assembly every day and it's quite a short assembly so the speaker maybe speaks for 10 or 12 minutes and I think there's a few main reasons why we do that. One is, I want because the whole school usually in usual times are in the assembly hall together so I want a shared experience. Um, I like the idea that we can sort of just give a little taste of things and then maybe it'll catch the girls imagination and maybe some say 20 years time they'll come back and they'll say Miss Gandhi the reason that um or the reason that I decided to be a whatever is because I saw it in assembly so I really like that idea and then I like the the opportunity that the girls have to just you know speak about what's on their mind um and it's and also speaking in public such an important skill isn't it and sometimes their hands are shaking but really important and when you say I mean when you say edgy I suppose I don't know if it's edgy as such, but they are good at bringing things that are on their mind to assembly. And, and I spoke about mental health earlier and some of the best assemblies, I suppose, have been ones about their lived experience. Um, and I remember one where one of our sixth formers told us about how she'd come out as bisexual. And she said, she said, oh, I have told my friends about it. I've told my family, but it's still quite difficult for me to speak about it in the entire assembly hall. Absolutely silent. You know, listening so intently to her. And then she went on to talk about um, how much milk we use an analogy of how much milk we take in our tea and the sort of therefore the different strength of tea is sort of where there's sort of the whole spectrum of sexuality and such a I mean such a great yeah. analogy and such a kind of moving lived experience and I was actually mentioning that to um, one of our year 11 the other day he said yeah I really remember that because I was just saying to year 11 when you get the sick form you can lead on all sorts of things and you can things that matter to you you can bring to everybody's attention um, and so yeah, assembly does provide an opportunity for raising things that maybe maybe adults haven't realised are important. Um, and sometimes, of course, yeah, sometimes, although we check assemblies in advance, sometimes the type of film that you've looked at in your office, that's okay. And then in an assembly hall with all the other members of staff, 8.30 in the morning, you think, oh, gosh, really, I shouldn't have allowed that. There was the time, there was the very um, slightly revealing dance from... I can't remember who it was now, but um, uh, obviously a female singer who was being touted as a really good example of a female kind of um, businesswoman, actually. But uh, it didn't really need the accompanying video, should I just say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but... It was on those moments where I was thinking, oh, shall I leap up and um, turn it off? Or will that bring more attention to the inappropriate <laughs> moves that she's displaying? Yeah, but also, but, that, but that's very real and very current. I, th I think it's great that, yeah, I, I know you, you always going to be a little bit, but the fact is that you're, you're, you're allowing a stage for topics, not just standardised topics about success or failure, but some deeper topics is, is hugely powerful and hugely rewarding. And I know that all of your girls will find that incredibly useful for themselves. And, you know, from a confidence, leadership, collaboration, but they get to a sense of, do you know what? I feel comfortable 
in talking and everyone's talking about this wow that's amazing because we, we don't talk about enough things no i agree and i think we have become i mean i think we've always been quite inclusive but i think we've become really good at being inclusive and and whatever i mean we as a school don't actually i think parents find this a bit odd we don't interview um any any of our 11 plus or 13 plus candidates and people say why don't you interview and i think part of the reason is because we just don't want to by mistake have any sort of bias against certain types of girls so as long as they can keep up with the pace of class we'll have anybody it doesn't matter what their interests are whether they're the type of girl who's really you know kind of sided along the side of the corridor because she's a bit nervous or the type of girl that strides boldly down the middle it just doesn't matter and i think as you say, those types of assemblies really make it clear to people that we are super inclusive and we won't be mean to people and we'll really accept, you know, whatever you're interested in. As long as you're, as long as you're kind to everybody else, we don't mind kind of what you're like. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely right. I think I, I, I use the, the phrase, it's, it, it's um, work hard and be nice to people, right? It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a very simple thing, but it kind of gets you, it just gets you through. I think if you just stick to those those two principles, I think everybody would have a much better world. You touched on unconscious bias, a book that you read at the top. We've just touched on bias now. Um, th this is a, t a really kind of hot topic right now because it's been unearthed and, um, and really being brought through because of everything that's been happening with Black Lives Matter and beyond. And how do we educate children and parents? Because you know, I'm, I, I watched a, a, a film, a documentary with my wife um, that we subsequently got our, all our children to watch. And yes, I mean, it's amazing that, you know, just because of who I am, there is innate, unconscious, there is that bias in me. Um, and seeing these things and seeing actually it, it un, unfold in other people's lives was shocking. So how do we go about it? Because it's not an easy thing to fix. No, it's really difficult. And, and the kind of more you read about it, the more you think about it, the kind of more tricky it gets in some ways. Because I, I sort of a few months ago thought, yes, unconscious bias, we can just, let's get some training. And that'll be great. Um, yeah. And then I've more recently read things that say, oh, no, training is kind of a bit of a waste of time. What you actually need to have is a proper action plan to make sure that your school is really diverse and really inclusive. And so that's kind of where we're moving now as an organisation, sort of looking at an action plan to make sure we are more more diverse, I think. Um, I think it's really important to listen, isn't it? To, to talk to the people in your school from different backgrounds and, and try and, and understand, do your best to understand their kind of lived experience and see what matters to them and what, and what they think we could do to improve things. Um, and there's definitely an education piece, of course, through assemblies and through some of our um, black students, for example, have been quite keen to give it assemblies and some of our other students have as well. So I think there's definitely, there's definitely education, but there's definitely, it's got to go beyond education. You've got to have a yeah a definite um plan as to how you're going to in increase diversity in your school i think yeah and i think as well it, it's a struggle it's a balance when, when you overthink stuff and you try and research and read it you then go what you always go too far one way as well and then you, you and then there's this side about positive discrimination where actually it's the flip side of it you, you, you're trying too hard to be diverse and overthink it almost and then that that becomes a problem in itself because you're then discriminating a different way, even though you're not meaning to do it because you're trying to fix another problem. And that's, that, that, that's the hardest thing I think where, you know, I, I certainly find it when I'm really trying to understand this, this area. And then you challenge the reasons and decisions you make down one way and go, but is that because, and then you're almost second guessing yourself. And by then it's like, I'm, I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I need someone else to tell me. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really different, difficult. I think, 
one of the things that struck me probably about a year ago actually was just I was thinking about um coming back to assembly for a moment you know you, you tend to illustrate your um your address or your talk with some slides and and I was a bit aware and I suddenly started thinking to myself what type of slides am I using what type of pictures am I using and I'd become aware that I was tending to use white people in my slides and it's much and it's really important as a very on a very basic level isn't it to have a range of different types of people when you illustrate I don't know whether it's an accountant or whatever it is you're talking about because then it just becomes much more normal because those girls are picking an assembly every day for seven years looking at the type of slides I'm using to illustrate things and if they're always seeing certain types of people doing certain types of jobs or certain types of sport or whatever then that you're just reinforcing stereotypes so at a very yeah. basic level you've got to start thinking about things as straightforward as that really so actually when you think about a whatever it is you think oh yeah actually that could be um somebody from you know whatever racial background not just um one type of person yeah but yeah but it, but very complicated uh, lots to learn i think and we need to be humble i think don't we and and accept that there's a lot to learn and yeah yeah, yeah. and it's about being honest and authentic as well because you know it's I don't think anybody can can accuse you of of trying to be trying to do the right thing. Sometimes you'll get it wrong again because you try too hard to do the right thing. Um, but we come back to this sense of you know about being authentic and true to themselves. How do we encourage yeah. that in our young people? Um, well, I mean, to be authentic yeah. and true to themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you've hit the nail on the head when it's about um, admitting that you're going to get it wrong sometimes, and that's something that sort of the conversation that. That we've had with some of our um, uh, black students particularly really we, we've sort of discussed the fact that we really need to be the type of organization where you know if some of us say the wrong thing or use the wrong term um, we want we want to be corrected but corrected in a kind way really um, and, and it won't be I think that we're doing it with the wrong intentions it'll be with the right intentions so in terms of authenticity I think yeah you, you know you've got to stand up in 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 public or stand up in class or whatever and and say to the kids yeah I'm trying this but actually it hasn't gone very well today and just thinking about, and sometimes it's good to um, be honest about how you're feeling. I mean, during the first um, lockdown, we would still, <laughs> I might sound like I'm obsessed with assembly, I'm not really, but we were still doing a, a couple of assemblies a week. But they you were are, recorded. actually. I'm <laughs> gonna, you're going to be called Jane Assembly Gandhi. <laughs> That's so important. <laughs> anyway, um, so I recorded one and I'd been, I, I'd been feeling really down, actually. I was missing, you know, missing um, my colleagues, missing the students. I think at that stage, maybe the, my prep school were back in, but we weren't. So I could see them out because I live on staff. I could see the prep school from my window. I was feeling really sad. I'd been on some Zoom calls. All the other heads had much nicer offices than me. I was just feeling really miserable. And I sort of recorded this piece for assembly to say, I've been feeling really down, even running, which you know I like, even running isn't making me feel any better. And then I think I told them a few things I'd tried. And I think I got some really good, I mean, not very much, got some really good feedback, just that they like the fact that, you know, even the head goes through difficult moments and kind of is okay about confessing that so I try I try not to be the type of head who um, is kind of very sort of aware of her position I suppose really I just want to be as you say um, me and authentic and I try and encourage my staff to be the same because otherwise it's back to that idea of walking the walk and talking the talk which way around it is in, in yeah. that you can't you can't tell the kids to kind of be open if and honest if you're not doing that as staff can you yeah and I, th I think it's it, it's really important that we can be as leaders because it's, it's it's quite it is lonely at the top right and i think even in this lockdown it's, it's been hard um and we've all suffered i've certainly you know put my hands up to really suffering from it i, I felt like i've had my my wings clipped and 
you know, I've, I've lost, I've lost that sense of it. And you, know, you get to a point of going, I've, I haven't got the bit that really makes me come alive. It's gone. You know, we can carry on and do all these things, but actually I lost it. And I've got, I got to a really low place where I didn't want to get out of bed, didn't want to do anything. Everything's, everyone looks at my life and goes, God, you've got the best life ever, Simon. And it wasn't. And so, you know, I had to say, look, this isn't, this isn't working for me. And you have to then start making little changes to try and do it. And it has, it, I'm still not, I'd say, 100% out of it. It's, it's, mm. a, it's one of those things you just got to recognise and tell people. I think, yeah, and I think we felt as a school that it's, it's a bit grey because we're not doing, we can't play sports matches, we can't do live, we are doing concerts but there's no audience, you know, you can't do plays. And we've been really aware and the girls can't go out on trips or anything. So the chaplain and I kind of had a bit of a think about this. I mean, trying to, I called him, he's Joybringer, that's his name. Um, he's, so he has to bring joy every week. We've been trying to come up with some surprising things. So a couple of weeks ago, he d I don't know why he dressed up as a Dementor. He was dressed as a Dementor. I was just myself. But when we took um, love hearts around to all the form rooms, because we wanted to choose love hearts because they've got like a, a sort of little message on them. And the girls didn't know we were going to do it. And we were running around um, first thing in the morning doing that. So we've been trying to, oh, and last week um, we dressed up as, well, we just said to staff, if you want to, please dress up. We won't tell the girls. Just dress up as whatever you want to. So we did that. And we've just been trying to do a few little moments like that because otherwise it just feels a bit monotonous, doesn't it? Yeah. I dress up as Frida Kahlo, by the way, but but most of the girls. Didn't so, uh, see. Uh, so you you weren't you weren't something out of Harry Potter. So you weren't <laughs> one Dementor, yeah. No, no, that was no. it. That was it. That's that's enough, isn't it? Um, no, but Frida. So Frida Kahlo, well known for her monobrow, but I was so I was dressed up as her, and girls kept saying, "Oh, you look really nice. Who are you?" Yeah. <laughs> So I was very upset by this. So I had to obviously tell them about it in assembly um, on Monday. Read a card is us. great. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> your assembly is just to explain what you're doing each week. <laughs> Miss, <what? laughs> but come on, Frida Kahlo, you know, a, a kind of um, feminist icon. So many interesting things. But yeah. I haven't got time to tell you now. But I do love the fact that the chaplain is the joy bringer, um, <laughs> but, but dresses as a dementor. I mean, that, 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 that's a festive treat right there. <laughs> just to be clear, not always dressed as a dementor, just on special occasions. Oh, fantastic. Um, Martin is a massive part of school leadership that isn't maybe often, it, that isn't really spoken about often. How does marketing fit in with since with a strategic vision and what is your personal philosophy to what a school needs to do to market itself? I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where I think actually my predecessor as head here wouldn't have anybody with the role of director of marketing because she thought it was sort of a dirty word in some way. <laughs> and it looked as though we were trying to, you know, be sort of dishonest and sell things to people who didn't need them. But whereas my view is that what we're trying to do is, is kind of helping people to make a match between what we offer and what they need or what they're looking for. It's, cause it's so important to me never to overpromise because I want people to come to this school who really understand what we're offering because otherwise they'll be disappointed when they get here. But I think the thing that's so different, difficult, isn't it, to, is to convey what it really feels like to be a pupil here. So part of, we're always thinking about different ways of articulating that and trying to kind of be in touch with parents who have got all sorts of different ways of using social media or different ways of finding out about schools. So I think that's, yeah, as you said, sort of at the beginning of, of our conversation, it, it's, it's how to be authentic and how to explain what's special about our school without just resorting to loads of quite generic kind of hyperbole, you know, things that I hate things that say cutting edge or yeah. state of the art. I think those are just rubbish. I like to try and tell a few stories. So whenever I'm doing an open afternoon or I just try and, yeah, try and tell some stories to illustrate what we're like as a school, but it's just not always easy to convey that. So there's a sort of, 
there's an excitement always in what you can tell. I love talking about my school. There's an excitement in doing that, but it, there's also the acceptance that many people are not, they haven't got time to listen to lots of things. They've got quite short attention spans. They don't want to read long chunks of material either. So how do you convey it? it and so we've done a lot more, well, as, as you'll know, lots, lot more sort of tweeting and Instagramming and social media in general, yeah. in general which I think has been really good. Yeah, it, it, it is great. And, you know, your, your, your school certainly has done a great job when it comes to telling the story. Now that, as you know, that, that, that's been a real passion for mine. It's a real thing that I've driven in, in schools and I'll continue to do it. Is that that's the bit that makes you different. If people don't buy promise, you, you can all sound and look the same, but reality is that you're very different from you, your leadership team, your staff, the girls you have, even your parents, your alumni. All of those have individual stories and, you know, suddenly when you start seeing that all laid out, you know, it's not overwritten. Um, you don't have to overthink it. It's just say what you see. Um, and that then becomes something quite incredible and quite special to you as a community. Um, and it's great seeing that, that, that you're leading from the front. So, um, Jane, it's, it's been a massive pleasure. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our time together. <laughs> I didn't. I, I. 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 I didn't prepare myself to laugh so much. <laughs> <laughs> but do you not think? What's the point? What's the point in going to work if you can't laugh? Yeah, exactly. You, you completely made my day. So you've given the, the injection of joy when well, I need it. So go back to the chaplain and say you've brought the joy today. I want to tell you. Can I tell you one more story before I go? Because this, yeah. this is a, this is a true story. And it did make me really kind of proud. So one of our one of our parents, her daughter left. She's got a daughter still here, but her elder daughter left in the summer um, to go to university. And she, she was at whatever it was at university. And she saw a girl on her own. And she suddenly remembered, because you know, I'm always banging on about, if you see someone on their own, invite them over to, you know, don't let them sit on their own at lunch, invite them over to sit with you. So she thought, oh, well, oh yeah, that's what they would say at school. So she went over and invited her, this girl to join her. And I just thought, do you know what? If, you can, if that's what your pupils are doing as they go out into the world, they're inviting other people to join them. It's a whole ripple of happiness, isn't it? Yeah. And that made me really happy when, when I heard that. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now. <laughs>